You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 23rd of February. I'm John Hefton from our Customer Treasury team and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent developments on financial markets. We'll contrast the economic performance of the USA and Europe as they look to bounce back from the economic effects of the pandemic. Good morning, Ollie. Um, starting with a look at the US economy, the recent economic data releases speak to an economy that is recovering strongly. Can you highlight to our listeners what we have seen so far? Well, certainly in the last week, we've had some very strong data out of the uh, US for January. There was expected to be a pickup in retail sales in the month. The forecast is 1% rise, but actually it came in at plus 5.3%, a very, very strong jump in retail spending. Then the manufacturing side, we saw another further increase in output up by 1% in the month. The housing market's going very strongly as well. House prices are rising there at quite a pace. But we saw uh, home builder sentiment index, the activity index, is near all-time highs. And these housing permits, uh, which are like planning permissions, surged to 15-year high in January. And then on Friday last, we had the manufacturing services PMI data remain at very, very high levels. So the U.S. economy didn't contract as much as others. Uh, the, the lockdown wasn't as extensive last year. The contraction of the U.S. economy is 3.5%. If you compare that to the U.K., for example, the contraction there was 10%. But notwithstanding that, the, the economy is gathering quite a bit of momentum in terms of its recovery. Very strong rebound in the third quarter last year. Continued to grow in the fourth quarter. And it looks like we'll have decent growth in the first quarter as well. And that's before, you know, President Biden's proposed you know, very large 1.9 trillion fiscal stimulus package uh, begins to take effect uh, or indeed is passed into law. And that's a very, very big package. I mean, that's 9% of US GDP. And it's a broad-based package in terms of you know um, income supports, infrastructure spending, additional resources being provided in terms of the role of vaccines, etc. So that's going to provide a further strong lift to the economy in the second and third quarters. So certainly there are expectations that the recovery of the US economy is well underway and we're going to get strong growth this year and probably next year as well. Ali, in terms of the job markets there, I believe the figure is somewhere in the region of 10 million below where they were in jobs in February in 2020. And kind of contrasting that kind of bit of data against the fact that the recent dollar um, yields have kind of risen a bit. What do you think the outlook is for a euro dollar? And how is the jobs market and the data and the kind of positivity that's happening in the interest rate side feeding in there? Yeah, we well, are right. The recovery in the jobs market sort of uh, halted over the winter. Now, that's partially due, due to uh, new restrictions coming into place as COVID cases rose. And it's absolutely fair to say that the, 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 the primary focus, both of the Federal Reserve and the Biden administration, is to return the US economy to full employment. So they lost 22 million jobs during the lockdown last spring and early summer. And they've only got about 12 million of those back. So employment in the US is around, running around 10 million below where it was uh, at before the virus struck in, let's say, January, February of last year. So they're very much focused on rebuilding the labor force, getting people back to work. And that's why you see the even though the economy is picking up momentum, the Fed has been at pains to say we will not be increasing interest rates. We want to see our focuses on uh, restoring the labour market to full health. And I say, even though the economy itself is recovering, that's one of the reasons that the Biden administration has come with this very large fiscal package. 
they, they, they recognise they need to do more to bring about a full recovery in the labour market as well as the broader economy. So that is the backdrop in terms of the policy formation. It's very much focused on returning the, the, the labour market to full employment. Now, it is true that the, the unemployment rate has come down quite sharply. It's fallen to 6.3%, but that's still a long way above where it was 12 months ago, when it was 3.5%. And it's also the case in the U.S. that a lot of people have left the labour force because they find it hard to get work. So, you know, that will remain the primary focus of policy in the U.S. It sort of contrasts the pace of recovery is much stronger in the U.S. than in Europe. I mean, the, the, the lockdown measures are being eased. The restrictions are being lifted. They're well advanced in terms of the rollout of the vaccines. In the U.K. and in the Eurozone, it's a much more cautious approach lockdowns remain in place. I know Boris Johnson yesterday outlined a reopening plan, but it's very, very cautious. In the Eurozone, lockdowns are very much in place. So economic data there are much weaker. And you know, by contrast with the strong growth in retail sales we had in the US last week for January, we had a very sharp fall in retail sales in the UK. So what we've seen is the dollar stabilized. The dollar, the dollar fell a lot in the second half of last year, but it has stabilized in the first two months of this year. And as you referenced there, one of the reasons for that is a rise, a sharp rise in U.S. yields, long-term bond yields. What the markets are thinking is that, yes, we believe the Federal Reserve will keep policy very accommodated over the next couple of years. But that the markets are concerned that at the extent of the fiscal stimulus in the U.S. economy, and that you might, your savings are very, very high there. You now will have a further large amount of federal aid and federal assistance being unleashed into the economy that you could be putting in place the ingredients for not just a rebound in activity, but a pickup in inflation. And that that would eventually trigger a tightening of policy in the, in the US. So what we've seen over the last month is expectations that when US rates start to rise, and that might be two years down the road, that they'll actually rise quite quickly and we will see a build-up of inflationary pressures. So we've actually seen a marked rise in bond yields in the US. And 30-year paper, for example, has gone well above 2%. 10-year bond yields last summer were down at 0.5%. They touched 1.4% over the weekend. That's quite a very, you know, that's quite a substantial rise. So that rise, obviously, in long-term interest rates uh, helps uh, make the US dollar more attractive. But I have to say, we're beginning to see that trend emerge in Europe as well, rising long-term interest rates. So the, the, the rise in US interest rates is pulling rates up elsewhere in Ireland, in the UK, and in the Eurozone. So broadly speaking, what we've seen is quite stable foreign exchange markets, generally speaking, in the first two months of the year. You know, the dollar euro is very range-bound, 120 to 122 is contained in all the action. The yen has lost some ground, but that was a very, very high level. I suppose the standout currency has been sterling, which has made ground both against the dollar and against the euro, but off a very low base. It obviously has been weighed down over the last couple of years by Brexit uncertainty, the referendum vote, etc., the UK leaving the EU. But it has recovered ground uh, in the last two months. And one of the reasons for that is, well, first of all, we've got a trade deal, but more particularly, the UK is well advanced in terms of its rollout of vaccines. And okay, it may be cautious about reopening the economy, but the expectation is that you know when the economy does reopen, it will be on a permanent basis because of the large numbers that they're managing to vaccinate in a very short period of time. So that's improving the growth prospects for the uh, UK economy. And what that's translated into is expectations that the Bank of England will cut rates for, further. They've completely evaporated. So the view now is that UK rates have troughed, and as in the US, they're beginning to rise the long-term rates, which is health and sterling. 
And leaning into that kind of contrast that you've outlined there very clearly, Ollie, between the two, and uh, indeed the complexity of it, given that you've got the UK that's seen its currency bounce, particularly on the back of a great start to its vaccination program, and Europe where it's perceived to be progressing at a much slower pace. Focusing in on something that's kind of been a key feature of the last while, there seems to be a lot of pent-up demand in both economies from what you're saying, regardless of the numbers coming out of the States being that bit ahead, let's say, of the cycle than in Europe. This is a key positive, but do you think it could also be a key concern in that you touched on something very important there, that once we get out of the next lockdown on the back of the vaccines, that we stay out of the lockdown and the economy start going back to focusing. And I'm going to tie that into another question for you, Ollie, of in terms of the furlough schemes in these countries, the UK or wherever else, is there what is the pent-up danger in the unemployment data that we could see coming out of that as well? So our, the two teams that I touch on there is the pent-up data on the unemployment and also touch on the key f- factor of pent-up demand and getting out of the lockdowns. Yeah, I think the key concern for policymakers here is that you know, we're, we're almost not done enough for 12 months, more or less. Certainly some form of restrictions in place, prolonged lockdown, really going back to uh, last October in the Irish and UK economies. And I think the concern for, for, for policymakers is what we call economics, which is scarring effects. And what I mean by that is that the, the longer the economies are locked down, and obviously they have to be, given the, the level of the number of COVID cases uh, here in the UK and in Europe, but the longer the economies are locked down, the greater the risk that we have these scarring effects. And what I mean by that is that businesses, although they're on, they're on supports, they actually shut permanently. They're closed for too long. We have permanent job losses. So that you're, when the economies reopen, that you don't get the bounce. So uh, that, that business can't reopen, they're closed for too long, uh, people have lost jobs. So then you have real long-term recessionary effects. So what governments are trying to do here in central banks is there is pent-up demand. We know there's high levels of savings and governments want to support, provide supports to economies so that when they do reopen, as many businesses as possible reopen, as many jobs as possible are saved and that we're not looking at a prolonged period of economic weakness. So it's the same in the US. I mean, the concern is the labour market, that we could be left with perfectly high unemployment, lots of businesses failing. So I think the focus for policy everywhere is obviously, one, get on top of the virus, roll out the vaccines, uh, and then reopen cautiously, but support businesses and support the labour market and support household incomes to ensure we do get a strong bounce in economic activity the scarring effects are limited we're not left with permanent large numbers of permanent job losses large numbers of, of, of business failures so i think that's a key driver of, of uh, economic policy at the present time and bringing it back to our bread and butter ollie um in your in terms of euro sterling how much further do you think sterling can appreciate and conversely if it was to have a knockback where do you think the range would be on its downside well, I think uh, it's at levels where it's it, there are headwinds there for in terms of what we call technical supports. One forty is a big level against the dollar, uh, and historically, believe it or not, you know the the the, the, the sterling hardly ever traded below one forty between the middle of the nineteen eighties until the uh, Brexit referendum back in June two thousand sixteen, and then it fell very very sharply. So it's got back up to around that one forty level. It's probably on a technical basis going to find it hard to make much for, further progress. In regards to the euro and sterling, you know the euro dropped below eighty seven p 
a number of weeks back, but sterling really has some power ahead since then. And there is a lot of support for the euro at around 85, 86p. So I think it could be moving into a period of consolidation in the sterling foreign exchange markets. Much as we are with the other currencies, I mentioned the, the yen there, the dollar, the, the euro, sterling has made a fair bit of ground in the first couple of months of the year. And it now may consolidate, consolidate those gains uh, over the next number of weeks rather than make further substantial progress. Uh, and I really don't see it falling back in the short term. You know, th- th- There's great hope for the UK economy that it can rebound strongly uh, given the progress, as you mentioned, they're making in terms of their vaccination programme. And Ali, looking at the week ahead in terms of data releases, there's quite a bit on the schedule, but is there anything there you think is going to impact on the currency markets in any significant way, or is it just more telling more of the same stories that we've just been I, I think you're right, it's more of the same. We, we are going to see, I expect to see further strong data out of the US in terms of personal incomes, very strong increases in... Um, in January, broad-based consumer spending figures are, are going to be strong. Uh, and then we have consumer confidence figures, which are likely to be on the rise as well. We do have the, the Federal Reserve Chair, uh, Jerome Powell, giving a testimony to Congress. He, he does that twice a year. He sets out monitoring economic policy. I think he will be majoring on the need to support the labour market, that you know the, the recovery is too fragile and it needs ongoing support. So I think markets might be focusing more on this testimony than the actual data. And in regard to the Eurozone and the UK, we get a lot of labour market data, but again, the data aren't telling as much because the furlough schemes are keeping down the unemployment rate and they're going to continue running. So I don't think the data will be major influences of markets this week, but the Fed Chairman's testimony to Congress could certainly be interesting and will be closely watched. Ali, many thanks for the update. And a big thank you to all our listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to the AOB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS and Android. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AOB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Please stay safe and stay well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.